things. Uh, but as we get into it tonight, let's go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Welcome everybody on live stream. Hey, love you. Praying for you. <laughs> they said mean it. We really do. <laughs> and uh, we just enjoy, you know, God's fun. And it's, there's a peacefulness. When you're actually in the presence of God, there's a peacefulness in there. And if you're not in, in experiencing peace, you're probably missing the, peace, the presence of God. And uh, not didn't mean that as a joke against you, but that was pretty funny. You know, there's, we need to get to the place where we can get in peace because that is the presence of God. Where His Spirit is, there's liberty and there's freedom. And um, part of what you see is just the joy of the Lord overflowing. And uh, that's a good thing. A lot of people are so... And this is a worldly, fleshly thing when they're so uptight and they just got to have everything it has to be just right. You know, that's the world. That's not God. And he's got an order. Don't get me wrong. He's got an order. And there, you know, he is holy, right? But he's also love and mercy and grace. And uh, so, you, you know, a lot of times it's humans that make it very rigid. When God is very loving and very flexible, trust me, he's flexible with you. <laughs> Thank God. Because otherwise we'd be in a heap of a mess. So, I was thinking this past week we had the message on what kind of God. And uh, we went through several different things that we said, what kind of God is like that? What kind of God does that? And the very first thing was, you know, and, and the point of that message was, you know, mankind has come up with these different gods that they worship and different ones, and most of them are very demanding, you know. Uh, a lot of them are based on demonic uh, forces at work, uh, and these are what they would call gods, you know, and, and most of them are very jealous in a bad way, um, and they're very, uh, give me your children and I'll give you success in your fields type, you know, stuff. And they're, and they're also very, um, um, don't know the exact, exact word for it, but they, they would put themselves in a class by themselves. And you're not going to get there, all right? You're never going to get there. They would say, I'm the God, you know, and you're not going to get here. And so one of the very first things that we looked at was this verse in Genesis 1, that, and we asked this question, what kind of God creates a creation in their own image. And this is important for us to look at. What kind of God creates mankind in his own image? In other words, immediately, right out of the gates, he classifies us, his creation, in a class right up there with him, with himself. It's huge. And he really prepares us to be his children. Well, the, the Pharisees, and it says this in the New Testament, this is one of the things that they hated the most about Christ was that he claimed that God was his father, which meant him, meant that Jesus was his son, which put Jesus on the same level as God. 
You know, now he understood, Jesus understood that I can't do anything without the Father. So he recognized there was a difference between them, but he's a child of God. Spiritual DNA's the same and and when we start to recognize who we are through Christ, that we are God's children, and then we look at it and go, what kind of God does that? Because all these gods in the world that the world has come up with and, and that have, you know, some of them are just man-made and completely, and then some of them are very demonically backed, that ain't what they do. That's not the kind of God that we, God's little g, that we see in the world. But yet you got the God, and he says, I'm going to make them in my image and in my likeness. Just thinking on that is a, it's an interesting concept all in itself. But let's read these verses in Genesis one twenty six, and uh, we'll go for a couple of verses. It says, "Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth." and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. <laughs> we, we're, we have dominion over all the creeps. So keep that in mind. It's a bunch of creeps. You know, you know, We've got, we got dominion over them, just so you know. Um, <laughs> Abigail was telling me, she was reading Pastor Chris that came a couple weeks ago. She was reading in his book, and, he's, and she was telling me how um, that... Adam had dominion over everything that moves, and so the serpent moved, and he did not assert his authority and his dominion over that serpent like he was supposed to. He let that serpent come in, and uh, we need to understand that we need to assert the authority that God has given to us to take dominion where he's given it to mankind, and for us not to do it just leads to bigger problems. You can do with that what you like. Little free nugget, you know. Thank you, Abigail. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Verse 27 God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, so, we're created in the image of God. Now, what is God? God is, 1 John 4, 8, God is what? God is love. Alright, so what is that love? Well, we've been discussing on love, and we've been talking about it, and we defined it in four attributes. There's a, the de definition of it is four attributes that we can find so far. I'm not going to say that that definition is absolute because absolutely uh, we may have more stuff revealed to us by God, and, but this is what we have revealed so far. Number one, the love, agape love of God is, number one, a choice. And, and in other words, Jesus chose to come, right? He's our chief example of love and chief example from the Father was the Father's choice to send Jesus. So, number one, love is a choice, okay? Without a choice, you can't have love, 
right? So in other words, if I come over here and I stick a gun to Barrett's head, it's a very, very deadly weapon. You should, yes. And I force her to do something. My wife goes, pew, pew. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You're doing so good. Good job. So um, if I force her to do something, right, is she operating in love? No, because I'm forcing it. So in other words, you're keeping a straight face. I'm very impressed. Um, in other words, in order for her to operate in love, it can't be under force. This is why we're not to uh, take offerings up under compulsion so that people can give in love. They need to have a choice. I'm choosing to give. So if I'm forcing her to do something, I just took away her ability to love. So love, number one, is a choice. Number two, it's a commitment. So love is a commitment. In other words, we see Jesus, he did choose to come, but that wasn't the end of it. There in the garden, he could have very easily uh, said, nah, I'm done, I don't want to pay that price. And so in other words, it was a commitment to the end, a commitment to see it all the way through. So love is a choice and a commitment, all right? And then we see in John 3.16 that in, in Romans chapter 5, we've talked about those verses a whole lot, we see that uh, love is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving. Because if love was given conditionally, Jesus would have never been given. Because conditionally, we didn't fulfill the conditions of deserving what God gave us. So he said, God, for God so loved, not just Christians, but he so loved the world. So he paid for everybody. He so loved the world, and then he gave us the chief expression of love that he gave. You know? And we know that he didn't just give based off of a condition of how good we are. He gave based off of zero condition because we really stunk. In Romans 5 it says, we were sinners, helpless, and enemies. So, and that was one of the things we said on Sunday was, what kind of God doesn't destroy rebellion? Because we were in rebellion and he, did, he chose not to destroy us. It, and the answer is a loving God. And so, number, you know, in love, you have a choice, a commitment to unconditional giving. And then we have the last portion, which is interesting because uh, if you'll turn real quickly to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And this is talking about uh, moving in the power of God, yet our need uh, to stay in love. So in verse 3, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, it says, If I give all my, position, uh, my possessions, positions, all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So here's the interesting thing. Let's just look at verse 3 uh, in the middle of it where it says, if I surrender my body to be burned. Well, that, what that means is I completely give myself out. In other words, I completely, uh, look at it this way, we would say it in America in this way, I'm burning the candle on both ends. And I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. Okay, And, and I personally as a pastor, I've done this before and it's wrong. 
you know, where you completely give yourself. I don't give any attention to my family. It all goes to y'all, and I don't uh, carry out and fulfill the needs of a leader, a spiritual leader over my church at home first, which is everyone's first priority uh, after they know put God first. The next thing is you need to be uh, over the household of your home, over the church of your home. Men, you need to be the pastors of your home. You need to be the shepherds of your home. That's first. Well, I've done it. It's very easy to get into where I start burning the candle on both ends trying to meet all the needs of people and I overlooked my family. Okay. Now, I've recognized it pretty easily and pretty quickly, but it, it's very important for me to recognize that and move back to where I need to be. This is where I need to have a priority is in my family first. God's told me this is in his word. He says, look, if you don't take care of your family, it's worth worse than an infidel if you don't provide for him. Well, it's not just talking about physical provision. It's also talking about spiritual uh, provision and being who God's called you to be uh, in your home. Now, I'm not just talking to men. I'm talking to ladies and wives as well. Um, it's important that we understand that. So in this situation, though, it's like if you give your body to be burned, and this goes on to say, let's say this, the example here that I would use is let's say that somebody comes to Christ, they recognize that, man, I've just had an absolutely horrible life, right? Up till this point, now in the mercy and grace of God, he has saved me, and I have so much time to make up because I've been so bad, right? Well, now, first of all, you don't have any time to make up because you're redeemed. That's a lie from the devil to try to get you into the place of being burnt. But I've seen people do it. I've been guilty of it, and almost all of us have probably felt that pressure at some point. Um, all you need to do now is simply be obedient for today, right? But what people will do is they'll fall under that condemnation, or maybe they're taught that if they're not out there doing everything for Jesus all the time, then you're, you might as well have been going to hell, you know? And so maybe that's what they're taught, you know? Obviously, some people have felt that way before. I'm, I apologize on behalf of the body of Christ. So anyway, and then they go out there and they completely give themselves to the work of Christ and they die early because they completely burn themselves out never taking the rest of God physically and spiritually and they just they literally burn themselves out now the issue here is this I want you to notice this let's look back at love you've got three different principles we've got a choice so far we have three principles we have a choice we have commitment and we have unconditional giving. Now, if I have given my body to be burned to the point where I'm wearing myself out, have I made a choice? Yep. Uh, if I'm to the point where I completely burn myself out, have I made a commitment? Yep. Am I uh, unconditionally giving? Yes, I am. But am I in love? It says right here, but if you're not in love. So there's something else that's there besides just a choice commitment and unconditional giving that qualifies whether or not I'm in love or not and so that last thing is what Jesus did you know that he never did anything 
But what he saw the Father do, he never said anything but what he heard the Father say. And he said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he said that over and over and over and over again. So the four parts of that agape love is a choice, a commitment to unconditional giving at the leading of the Father. In other words, God doesn't want you to just go out there and be busy for Him. He doesn't even want you to just go out there and be productive for Him. Matter of fact, in the Reset series, you go over to Revelation chapter 2, and you get in there and He says, look, here's this church, the church of Ephesus that He's talking to. You're productive, but I will remove you if you don't repent and turn back to your first love. So the Lord's not looking just for production only, he's looking for production at his leading. He's looking for production at his leading. So this is love. Now, but I want to ask you this question. What is your life, and this is, don't think about this too hard because I'm going to give you the answer and you could probably fill it in with a bunch of different answers, but you'll find this to be true. What is your life made up of? How do you get to the end of your life? How do you get to where you're at right now? What is, there's a whole lot of these that make up who you are and where you are and what you're doing, and it's got to be choices. Your choices make up who you are. See, you were created in the image of God to make God choices. Everything in your life comes down to the choices that you make. Even whether or not you give yourself to be burned or not comes down to the choices that you make. And so every day when we're walking out this Christian life, what we're really walking out is, are we making good godly choices? And let me put it this way, are we making godly choices? Because just because it's a good choice doesn't mean that it's a God choice. That person that gave themselves to be burned, most people would probably agree that whatever they gave themselves to be burned at was probably something good. But it wasn't God, and that's why it wasn't love. And if you notice, they what did it profit them? All that that they give. They even died early, it appears. They, they gave, in another one, they gave everything that they have, and what did it profit? What was the profit? Nothing. Let me boil it down to this. If you're doing something, and you had not heard it from God, and you haven't had leading on it, it means nothing. And that may sound hard, but Brian, we are working at a church. Don't you know I'm building a... Well, did he tell you to start that church? Did he tell you to be where you're at? Did he tell you to go feed the poor in that area or not? He tells us to feed the poor. We should be about that. You know, he tells us to minister. So there are some standard things that we should be about, like making disciples. He who wins souls is wise. But we've got to always keep in mind that if we just go out there thinking that this is the right deal. In other words, let's say that, that somebody gives their lives to win in souls, right? That everything they do for the rest of their life is to win souls. Well, I would say that most of the church would stand up and go, oh, good job, good job. But that's only a good job if God called him to do that. 
If God called him to be a prophet and he's trying to operate as an evangelist, that's not good. And in the end, what does it profit him? And it may help some people. And yes, there will be, God will have mercy and there will be some good on it. But what does it profit that person? Nothing. That's the word. It's not me trying to be harsh. But we need to grow in our ability to be led by God. Later on we're going to be having, I think it's going to be a series on Sunday morning on how to be led that we're looking at having in a couple of months. And that's very important. We need to grow in our ability on how to be led. And it's not, it's, you know, a lot of the church, Jeff and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and uh, a lot of the church makes stuff like that really, you know, and they can make it real weird, you know. And, and it's not weird. You were designed to operate that way. You were designed, it's very natural for you, a spirit being, to be led by God. You, you actually had to be trained out of it. And now you've got to throw away all of this worldly training so that you can actually come back to what is very natural for you. And when you start to recognize and realize how to be led, well, that's a one main key component to operating in love, which means that's one main key component to your life being godly versus just good. It's one main key component to the choices of your life adding up to something that has some value or not because you were created to make godly choices. You were created to make godly choices. I'll say it again. You were created to make godly choices. You were made in the likeness of God. You were made in the image of love. You were made in the likeness of love. And love is a choice. You were made in the image of love and the likeness of love. And love is a commitment. All of those that are scared of commitment, i sorry. <laughs> i real sorry. <laughs> you were made in the likeness and the image of love, and love, guess what? It's unconditional giving. That means if somebody does something to you, i sorry. Again, our job as Christians to operate in godliness, to operate like, like the children of God that we are, means that we're not offended when somebody does something against us. We don't take it personal. We don't, we don't move into conditional giving. Well, I'm going to be nice to you. If, you. if you start treating me nice, I'll be nice. That's not God. That's not love. That's not how you were created. And, and we're made in the image of love and the likeness of love then you were made to hear from Him and be led by Him. To be led, let me put it this way, all of your choices should be the heart of God or they should not be a choice. So let me back this down. If all of our choices are made to be in the heart of God or they're not a godly choice or it's not really love, then every choice that we make that offends that blesses somebody out that I'm not going to say anything but I am so mad anti-God 
anti-love. And it profits you nothing. All of those choices that even look good, but they're not led by the heart of God, they're worth nothing. Listen, every word spoken that is not spoken from the heart of God is a choice not based on the leading of God. Anti-love profits you nothing. A lot of times it actually costs you something. He says you'll be responsible for every idle word. I know the Lord's been telling me recently even more. Be quiet, Brian. Be quiet. Again, I'm like, ah, I thought I did this before. Golly. He's telling me again, be quiet. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Be quiet. So glad that you are excited like I am about this message. Woo! It's awesome stuff, ain't it? You know what? Yeah, it is because it'll change your life. And all of a sudden you'll be walking in the blessing and the joy. And your joy will be overflowing because you've realized that who you are and what you're worth in, in kingdom value is made up of your godly choices. Your loving choices. You don't just get to go out there and make choices on your own. If you're going to be operating in love, it's not your choice anymore. That's a good statement. If you're going to be operating in love, it's not your choice anymore. You don't have the right to make a choice. You have the right in love to seek the heart of God and only say or do what He said or did. It's the only thing that you have. There are no other options besides that. If you're actually going to be Christians, this is what it is. So when the devil comes against you, and he keeps, you know, um, I see people a lot of time, they're sidetracked by the, the smallest of things. I mean, just the, all he's got to do is just push a button in their life, and it's like, you know, and they just, they kind of erupt, you know. And they, he, they completely are always off track. They can never gain any traction in their life because as soon as they get started down the path, the devil just presses a little button of discomfort and they just kind of implode. And the reason is because they feel like they have the right to make choices on their own without seeking God. And it's not, it's not good. And then they're, they're frustrated because they know they should be further down the road. I, I'm not talking to any of y'all. I know I'm not talking. And it's never been me either. Right. It's been me so many times. You were created to choose. You were created to choose. But God's not forcing you to choose. He's given you the option and the choice constantly to choose Him. No matter what people do, no matter what they say. I mean, I want you to look at Christ on the cross. I mean, they come up. They, Are you Jesus of Nazareth? I am. <laughs> and they all fall. This is the power that was coming out of Jesus. 
because he was in fellowship with his father. Matter of fact, I heard Rick Renner the other day. Do you, does anybody know that there was a naked guy in the garden when they came to get Jesus? Anybody? Well, if you read it, I think it's in Mark. But there's a naked guy in the garden. It's in the Bible. It's a real, I'm not telling you a story. It's like it's a real deal. So everybody's looking now like, what? There's a naked guy? In there. So there he is. And he says he was in a linen cloth, and then he runs off, uh, and he drops the cloth. And uh, that was it. Go read it. Go find it. Everybody. All right, somebody's got to find the scripture now. Go look for the naked guy. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it's in Mark, but here's the thing. Rick Renner was doing a teacher who was the naked guy. And uh, he said, the only thing that they can figure out is, Deb's about found it. Did you find it? It's in there. It's in there, isn't it? Isn't that something? It's been in there. It's been in there the whole time. <laughs> so, anyway, he says he's wrapped in a linen cloth. You know, the only ones, the ones that were wrapped in that kind of cloth. This what now I haven't studied this all out myself, but Rick Renner was talking about it and teaching on it. Were were people that had died. So what the best thing, there's a lot of people, and, and it's, you know, it's assumption, so it's, it doesn't particularly say in the Bible who he was, but from the best guess of it, and what it looks like is, when Jesus said, I am, the resurrection, life power in him brought the boy back to life. And that's why he was in the garden. This is the power that was in Jesus. The same one while he's up on the mountain, you know, of transfiguration, and the glory falls, and he lights up so bright, and they fall down, and they're knocked out, basically, like they were, like they were knocked out. Then, this is the same Jesus who, now watch, our life is, we're created to choose. I want you to look at the choices Jesus made. In the garden, he's operating in this power. On the cross, he makes, and he makes this statement, and he says, at any moment, I could call legions of angels. And what he's saying is, and all this would be over. All that would be done. But he chose. They are killing him. They're in the process. They're not talking bad about him. They didn't bring him the wrong cooked steak. They're killing him. And he makes this choice. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Man, he was an example. And he's an example we need to follow. Stop letting the little things and the little pieces of discomfort blow up our lives and start getting up getting a victory over those things, making a choice over them, gaining traction in God, and going forward with everything that we have. Because in you right now is the same resurrection power. If you're born again and you got the Holy Spirit in you, the same resurrection power is in you. And if you don't live it out by making choices in love, what have you taken with the potential talents that's within you? You've buried it. So I'm not just talking to preachers. I'm not just talking to pastors and apostles and prophets. I'm talking to just believers. The children of God. The sons and daughters of God. 
made in his spiritual DNA with the power of life and death coursing through their spiritual veins. The DNA of a loving father made in his image and likeness, made to choose at the heart of God. Commit to it and give because of it. That's who you are. You are created to choose. And when you start realizing that my life, everything I do is choices, and Lord, I hand you, you now have full control of every choice, big or small, you have full control. Oh, what can He do in your life? I'm telling you, it's something awesome. And it's something the world wants to see and needs to see. And it's something you need in your life and your family needs in your life and you need it in your life. Choices. You are created to choose godliness. Not to be moved by every breath and wind that the world throws at you, but to move only at the breath of God, to move only at His leading, and to make the choices that bring about the power of God on this earth to be who He's created you to be. You're created to choose. So now that's a much more positive message. We'll just end right there. So, Father, we thank You. You thought I was kidding. Father, we thank You. Lord, let us choose. Let us choose You. Lord, let us choose You. Let us choose You. Every day, all day. We were created to make a choice in love, in everything that we do. We were created to love. We were created to be love. And You gave us that ability to be that love through You. Father. Not just God. Father, your children want to move in more of who you are. Father, show us how to choose you. Father, show us how to be empowered. Father, show us how to have your love manifest on this earth in new ways every day. Father, let us be the children that you've called us to be. Father, let us love on you. Father, Abba, Father, you love us. And Lord, we love you. Thank you for your love and thank you for your opportunity. And Lord, we look forward to moving into it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great night. We love you. Thank you for joining us.